I think you'll notice I decorated the classroom. A stocking by the door, tinsel along the wall, and some mistletoe just over my ass. What's this? What's this? It's Halloween today. What's this? Friends don't know what to say. What's this? <laughs> I have to see the witches, old Miss Fitches. Come on, Mark, let's get away. What's this? <laughs> What's this? What's this? I feel very confused. What's this? The world's now in hues. What's this? Matches eat inside a little Santa ring to hide. Turkey wishbone makes me king. Have I just three words to sing? What is this? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> it seems here I'm made of magic I get these wishes three I don't know what I want yet But I've got a pushy tree I guess I'll fuck with people Oh, I can't believe my eyes They're running after their cars And smashing each other's pies look, what's this? I'll ask for Santa Claus All mine He'll give me everything So coy Then everyone will be out looking for him Till a giant steals a boy What's this? <laughs> What's this? At home, apologize to Tree, how sad, and letting Santa go. And now, it's time for him to go and spread some cheer. He's gotta save this Christmas year. Boy, I think I need a beer, so now correct me if I'm wrong. This was a dream, this was a dream. Oh, could it be I got no wish? What is this? Everybody's on their way to see the magic Christmas tree. It's a new family motion picture about a talking Christmas tree. All right, boy, turn the ring and say the magic words. Rimbum, carry doom, hello. The Magic Christmas Tree. When Holiday Pictures Incorporated Presents was the first thing on screen, I like wrote down a joke being like, this implies the existence of other holidays that have been incorporated into this company. Little did I know that was the plot of the movie. <laughs> you could actually retitle this movie The Nightmare Several Months Before Christmas. <laughs> Henry Selleck, eat your fucking heart. <laughs> Come at us, elf man. We fear you not, elf man. <laughs> Let's take a special Yuletide roll call. Ms. Jamie Kennedy. Oh, I'm not a witch. I'm just a crazy old woman. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to keep those things straight. It is. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Josh Roth. Hey, Holiday Pictures, Inc., Where's my magic Hanukkah bush movie? Uh, Mr. Casey Regan. Please, Miss Witch. I want to live again. I want to see my terribly frigid parents and my absent sister again. Please, I want to live. What? What? Well, how about that? My head is bleeding internally. Well, how about that? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Ichabod the Turtle. Merry Christmas, Greed Giant.
Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, old devil's plaything and loan. Uh, and, and me, Greg Hansen. I mean, I don't know if this is a takeaway at the beginning or the end, but I, I just want to have a little bit of what Mark had at his fucking bologna sandwich because that shit must be strong. That kid is talking to trees, speeding up time, meeting giants, and having a fucking happy childhood, and I want it. He lived yeah. those months, guys. Like... He, yeah. he lived them in his subconscious, and I don't think that's healthy. Well, not November. <laughs> November. <laughs> one he's day. Tipped. One day in November. He lived one day in November, and the rest he speeded through yeah. with no question. If November is just his dad mowing the fucking lawn, <laughs> that makes sense. skippable. Dude, <laughs> Dude. I, I mean, can't. it felt like it took a month in real time in this movie. A hour-long mowing the lawn sequence. Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry, 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 oh, Merry yeah, Christmas. guys. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas uh, classmates. It's crazy that we have so many Christmas movies to choose from this holiday season, and there truly are no Hanukkah movies whatsoever. <laughs> Why do we get this garbage Z Christmas movie, and I don't get a single A or B Hanukkah movie? Think about how many good Christmas movies there are, and then how many bad Christmas movies there are. Which means every good Hanukkah movie you get, that means you would also necessitate 40 to 80 <laughs> horrible Hanukkah movies. I'll take it. It's better than having one VHS tape that you watch every single year with the collection of three things that you can watch that are Hanukkah related. The the Hanukkah Rugrats episode. <laughs> <and> Rugrats Hanukkah, <laughs> Lamb Chops Hanukkah, yep. uh... Fuck it, it's two. There's not even a third. Eight Crazy Nights. Eight no. Crazy Adam no. Sandler's Eight Crazy How Nights. How dare you bring Eight Crazy Nights? It exists. Nights into this house. I, we just you literally just said you'll take the bad, you'll take the good. So you better yeah. take the bad. <laughs> What's going on here? Don't y'all run the entertainment industry? Why aren't there more Hanukkah? <laughs> That's what I'm asking myself. <laughs> what are you, what are you what, doing with this entertainment industry? What about this cabal industry? that we have? He got <laughs> Yeah, come on, Cabal. He got legitimately distraught yesterday because I made him watch scenes from Elmo Saves Christmas after this because of the parallels between the two movies. And he was just like, there are so many. You have so many of these. Why is this? Josh, I'm with you. And I'm all about, I think there should absolutely be more Hanukkah films. But Hanukkah's over, baby. The eight nights are done. It's Christmas time. That's right. And there's, a, there's a war on Christmas, damn it. And if this movie is Christmas... I hope Christmas loses. <laughs> Wait, is it Christmas? Because where does this movie start? Starts at Halloween, baby. <laughs> the most Christian holiday. <laughs> this is like really not a Christmas movie, really. It does <laughs> not. Uh, whatsoever, no. <laughs> we don't get to Christmas until the 30-minute mark of this 60-minute movie. And even then, it's Christmas in like... Southern California, which is as far from Christmas as you can get. <laughs> there are palm trees. He should have asked a lot more questions that an evergreen tree was growing in his backyard. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> if ever there was a really good argument for fake Christmas trees, it is this yeah. movie and oh, seemingly yeah. California large. This movie... <laughs> It's like you ate something that gave you food poisoning and fell asleep watching a Jim Handy industrial film. <laughs> like, it's like, this movie is the fever dream of, like, people who actually used that sort of tinsel in the 60s and got lead poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Holiday Pictures, Inc. presents an asbestos production. <laughs> yeah. The beauty of Holiday Pictures, Inc. is just... 
just mwah, chef's kiss. Greg, do you do you talk about them in the ripoff report card? There's nothing to talk about in the ripoff report card. <laughs> the Ho- Holiday Pictures Inc. released in the 60s. In 1964, they released the Magic Christmas Tree. And then in 1965, released a movie called The Devil's Mistress. That was about that was about uh, four cowboys who kidnap, rape, and are killed by a vampire in the Old West. You know that holiday. Wow, what? that is that is what? the output of Holiday what? Pictures Incorporated. This movie is made by some real fucking freaks. This is the most homemade movie we have seen. Oh, I'd also like to point out this movie is 59 minutes long and I'm really looking forward to how we turn this into a four-hour conversation because we will. Oh yeah, we'll, we will stretch. We got, <laughs> Wait, we're gonna we, stretch it out. It's also the longest 60 minutes of my goddamn yeah, life. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> this yeah. movie speeds by. I loved every long-cutting minute of this. I really also <laughs> did love it. It really, this movie played me like a fiddle. Maybe that will be the Hanukkah miracle here. It's like the, the, the students of Video High, they only have 59 minutes worth of material to talk about, yet somehow the podcast lasted for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, strap they in, They had everybody. neither food nor drink. By the end, they were raving mad. <laughs> Get your pee jugs ready. <laughs> no, jug pee. Jug pee. <laughs> <laughs> like there's the opening titles of the movie to silence <laughs> to absolute silence which is very chilling <laughs> but it says holiday pictures presents the magic christmas tree and so of course the first shot is of a halloween decoration <laughs> a skeleton hanging in a classroom not a 12 foot skeleton though sadly <laughs> <laughs> and it's in good old black and white, baby. Good old black oh, and white. Black and white. It really is jarring. It feels like it's going to be some kind of like a jam handy educational film about the yeah. meaning of Halloween. I think it's like a jam handy esque industrial film that is meant to be like ag prop against marriage and having children. Yes. <laughs> the point of this movie is to make you, is to turn you off to the American dream. <laughs> Certainly, Forget what your dreams, kids, and live it up. <laughs> Just stay yeah. home. It, it, I mean, it must be noted that the opening credits are in color, and then we cut <laughs> to black and white Halloween. Right. The, the message of the color shifts in this movie is not clear. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, someone saw Wizard of, Wizard of Oz. Oz, but they saw it like muted in a bar it's great to start a movie with b-roll of halloween decorations and a clock just to establish the fact that school (laughs) school exists in case you didn't think so i think it does two things which is like yeah it shows a clock and it's noon so our first scene is like we're in a school it's lunchtime but also it like it establishes that it is Halloween, which is jarring after seeing the title of The Magic Christmas Tree. <laughs> but because it's like shot in California, there's nothing that you could, uh, there's nothing else you could do visually to say it's Halloween. It's no. <laughs> any, any day is any day is any day. <laughs> so you need to show the decorations and then. The tr- that's the true terror of <laughs> Halloween, is how it's just like any other day. It's, it's Groundhog like a Day. <laughs> so the first real scene is we get three friends, uh, three, uh, uh, whatever, young boys going out to have lunch and do a do a sandwich trade a sandwich transaction that takes a while (laughs) is a good percentage of this 59 minute movie this is how trader joe's started (laughs) 
Well, I wonder what kind of sandwich I have today. Probably meatloaf. How do you know? Because that's what we had for dinner last night. Mark. The most obnoxious protagonist yet. Oh, yeah. I know Jamie disliked our main character from Shadow Creature. Oh, boy. But I, but I, would, I would surely argue that Mark is the biggest piece of shit that Pretty we've correct. yet encountered uh, on any of in any of these movies. Oh, he's yeah. A, he's a menace. Yes. <laughs> no, he is a, he is a true megalomaniac. The first thing we see of him is is him swindling his friends out of lunch. I mean, you gotta give it to him. He's a good lunchroom economist. <laughs> well, a meatloaf sandwich is worth more than a bologna sandwich. You gotta throw in the banana, too. The banana, too. Well... He knows what that shit is worth. He's been playing the markets. He knows what he can get. He's been shorting those meatloaf stocks for years. <laughs> exactly. It's all turnover, so it's like low, really low overhead. That's last night's meatloaf. For the price of last night's meatloaf, Meatloaf, he's getting today's bologna and banana. Yep. Fucking Mark's a hustler, man. He, Mark he's gets got the deal done. strong Tom Sawyer vibes, too. Like, like the Rush Tom <laughs> Sawyer? Yeah, yeah, like the, the Rush Tom Sawyer. <laughs> Mark does really feel like Hitler Youth, yes. kind of. Like, oh, he's got oh, wait, serious what? vibes. <laughs> yes, no, the tucked in flannel, the like. The like buzz center, cut. Yeah, the, the buzz cut kind of part off the side, yeah. Oh, I just thought that was like. My idea of the 60s is either you dressed as a hippie or you, all, from age t one, dressed like you were 65 years old. And looking at his parents, like, <laughs> they're not going to buy him any other clothes. Cool. I'm not even talking about the way he's dressed. I'm talking about his attitude. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, he. this kid watches Leave it to Beaver and is like, I identify with the cleaver aspect. <laughs> he's just all about shaming his friends and his parents. The the disdain to which he discusses the fact that he knows he has a meatloaf sandwich as if he's like, that fucking bitch mom gave me a fucking meatloaf sandwich. She knows I hate that shit. Right. Oh, I thought so. Meatloaf. He is a true, like, megalomaniac. I guess you're right that it is like, it's the burgeoning of, like, a god complex. Where, like, by the end of the movie, he is a god. We first see the budding blossom of that in, like, what sort of control he has over his two friends' lives and lunch. I do love the way he roasts one of his friend's Halloween plans because his friend explains he has to, like, chaperone his little sister to a Halloween party. But the way that Mark roasts it is to say, That's a heck of a way to spend Halloween parties, girls. I sure do feel sorry for you. I'm like, well, little boy. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's dissect, let's dissect the, what, what, hit, what Mark's yeah. proposed plan is. Is not parties or hanging out with people. It is to go to a witch's house. Though he also says in the same sentence that he does not believe she is actually a witch. And so you are going to an old woman's house. Not partying, not hanging out with people. Not trick-or-treating. A stranger. No. An old woman who is a complete stranger just to antagonize her? Well, I don't think you should go alone. Well, I wasn't gonna until you guys chickened out. I ain't chicken. Me neither. All right, then. How about you guys going home with me after school? We can take the long way home. He's like a little aggro proud boy. Tommy <laughs> is going to a party with his sister to hang out with his sister's friends, which, you know, Tommy's 
Tommy's gonna fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tommy's like Tommy's down to get laid this Halloween. Like Tom, Tommy's got a line on like a sure thing tonight. And Mark says like that's in a very in that first line. I'm with you, Jamie. It was pretty funny for a kid to be like, "You're going to a party with girls." Yuck. Like, that was like that was. I don't one... know if that was purposeful, but it made me laugh at least. Right. Tommy also is like awesome. And when Mark tries to pull his little, like, sandwich switcheroo on him, Tommy's like, no, I got a cheese sandwich, baby. You ain't getting getting your mitts on this. (laughs) And then his friend Dave was like, I need to take my sister trick-or-treating or or whatever. And and he's like, you're doing something nice for a woman? What are you, a cuck? (laughs) What if... (laughs) What if instead we went and abused and aggravated some old woman who lives by herself? Had Danes to like live alone without a man in her life. How dare she and her cat. Which makes total sense is like, and we're gonna get to it, but to see the relation the like marriage relationship at home. Oh god between oh, to- my Mar- god. like between Mark's like father and mother is like very upsetting the fact that the director plays the dad makes it even more upsetting because he couldn't yeah. fictionalize a better relationship i for just himself. wrote marriages were so sad so sad so sad so oh, I don't know. There were points of their relationship that felt like a fucking Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> and I, I like in those moments, it's like, ah, oh, marriage is so beautiful. What an institution. Every Lou needs a bud, is I, all I'm saying. I totally did not read that. I totally did not read them as friends. I read them as like, marriage is the thing you have to do and hate it. And marriage... <laughs> As told by this movie, is the person you get tied to who you wish death upon every day of your life. <laughs> it's more like a Laurel and Hardy situation. Then. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. Mark says, like, I want to go to this witch's house, but she's not a witch. My dad says she's just a crazy old lady. Yeah. So we just jump from one stereotype to the next. Love hearing right. it. <laughs> but because everyone in this movie is dubbed. What like in movies from this time? I don't know. I know it was because they were in like a all the dialogue is done in a ADR booth, and mm-hmm. so and they're like kids. So what do they know? But like, why are why are the kids shouting all the time in these movies? <laughs> why are they only shouting? Come on, Mark. Let's get going. You guys can if you want to. Come on, I'm gonna get a clean slate and look at this haunted house. You aren't going into the yard, are you? Maybe even into the house. You're crazy. Well, maybe I'm crazy, but at least I'm not chicken. But Mark convinces them to go to Old Miss Fitch's. Is that her name? I did not catch her name at all. Her her name is Miss Fitch the Witch. Tommy and Dave, they fucking bail because it's just too creepy being in front of this house at 2 (laughs) p.m. It's not only that, but he like. I, I think they're just looking for an out because he berates them on the way there. He mocks them for being slow. And they're like, we have rocks in our shoes. Okay, bye. And then they just run away because right. they finally have an out away from this megalomaniac mark. It's wild to think about the idea that the satanic panic and witches living sort of in your neighborhood mm-hmm. started in places like Texas and California and had such a hold there because those houses are like 15 years old yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah the storybook houses they're they're really they're they're built in the 50s yeah the idea that like you you could be in like creepy ass like Pawtucket Rhode Island or something like that and you're seeing like a house that's hundreds of years old that has stood derelict with creepy trees in the front no one's ever lived there 
Right. Like, yeah, your imagination could run wild. And then, like, we're looking at, like, an updated cape style. Like, beautiful. <laughs> like, like they were just like, right. yeah, yeah, like, oh, Bill built that, you know, 10 years ago. It went on the market for a little while, but it's old. Right. <laughs> to a witch that, you know, that just needed a little bit more sun. <laughs> it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Or, like, they just got out of school. The witching hour. <laughs> and old Miss Fitch's cat, Lucifer, has gotten itself uh Caught up in a tree. A little, yeah, a yeah. little. Yeah. A little if your name is Fitch, everyone in town is calling you a witch. Maybe naming your cat Lucifer is not helping you. I say lean into it. You go, yeah. girl. Fucking yeah, like fuck, fuck those fucking squares. No, that's and... what I said. I'm like, I stand this woman who's, uh, you know, owning her type. Like, you know, she she knows who everyone perceives her to be, and she's living it. I love it. I warn you. Huh? Remember what happened last time you disobeyed me. Now, you come down here immediately. Uh, and also, you know, her voice doesn't really help. I look 40 years old, but I talk like June Foray. <laughs> Jamie, I know that, like, we're getting old, but it's true that 40 is pretty much 80. <laughs> well, in the 60s, it was. <laughs> they were fucking, everything was lead and asbestos. Yeah. Her insides were 80. <laughs> I wish it had lasted another like four seconds, but as they approach, she's talking to her cat Lucifer, and she says like something like, "How am I gonna get you down from that tree?" <laughs> she had to hit herself on the head to get her. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and Mark fucking marches up to that yeah. house because he because he apparently has. No fear, because he has a parasite living in him that, that tells him that fear is great and to right. embrace it. Yeah, that parasite is called misogyny. <laughs> that parasite's called sexism. I'm amazed he didn't grab like a tiki torch in order to like make this march to her house. <laughs> Witches will not replace us. Witches will not replace us. <laughs> God hates hags. God hates hags. <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> that's, that's it, folks. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I, I, we meet Miss Fitch, whose ADR artist is not nailing the lip timing. It's <laughs> really missing the, the timing of the dialogue. Just a tiny bit out of sync. Yep. And she asks uh asks Mark to climb up the tree well, and help her get Lucifer the cat. Well she she snatches him. She catches yeah, she him almost immediately. He he marches up to her house, and she grabs him by the arm. Gotcha, boy! Sweetie, <laughs> quit pinching my arm! Stay still. Ah, you are a husky lad, aren't you? There's my poor little kitty up there in the tree, and I can't get the sweet thing down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so glad to hear Mark get a little ribbing. <laughs> so, it fuck yeah. Great. It was you great. Take him down a notch. fat piece of shit. Why don't you fucking climb a tree? Climb you lose tree. a little weight. You fat bastard if you have the arm strength. <laughs> <laughs> I love Miss Fitch. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the entire time he's climbing the tree doing this favor for her, she just keeps berating him. It's fantastic. Why, yeah. Lucifer wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm not a fly. <laughs> it's 
pretty good. That's a pretty good line. True to her berating him, he does not have the upper arm strength and falls and immediately hits his head. This tickles Lucifer so hard that he leaps out of the tree on his own. I do love that the wish specifically says, like, Lucifer was laughing at how hard you fell that he just came down. Right. It's a wild claim because that cat is clearly fucking terrified. Yes. So Mark falls out of the tree and hits his head, and when he comes to, we're in a world of lush and vibrant color. Things look different to him, but uh, uh, the witch assures him, it's only what you want to see. You wanted to see me as a ugly old hag. Oh, and I, I love was. that line. If you think ugly, you see ugly. If you think beautiful, you see beautiful things. Like, what do you think about your mom? No, really. Yeah, is she hot? What do you- is she hot? You think your mom's hot? <laughs> Yeah, you got a boner for your mom, kid? What do you think? <laughs> the metaphor of this gets so... Like, I like that explanation. I like that, like, oh, Mark's going to maybe see the world in a new oh, no. light now. And this is like a transformative experience for him. Only yeah. for it to be undermined, like, 40 minutes later. And so that leads me to question, well, then what is the purpose of the the color versus black and white? Uh, it's a Wizard of Oz, but with a middle school age boy. It's more the, the Wizard of Pants. <laughs> Like, what is Mark's life before and after this moment? You, he's supposed to learn something through this, but if he's back, right back to where he started, what was all this for? He learned no, really, nothing. someone explain to me what was all this for. Mark doesn't <laughs> learn shit. Yeah. He doesn't internalize anything. He, he, only gets, he only learns in the way that, like, the Bible tells you, like, don't do this shit, don't do this shit. It's not like he has a better or more innate sense of self. Yeah, he actually, by the end of it, is just shamed into do into like this movie is very fucking Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to really hammer home the point, like they didn't need to throw in this line, but uh, to really do the copyright infringement, she's also like, well, you know, there are good witches and there are bad witches. FYI. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm a good witch, as evidenced by my big black hat, my oh, my yeah, cat we, named Lucifer. We, we shouldn't skip over that she now looks like a real witch. In the black and white version of reality, she's just sort of a, an old woman with like a cloak. And yeah, in... Right. The color version of reality. She has like a stereotypical giant ass witch act. So when she says you only you saw me as a witch because that's what you believe, like why does he see her more as a witch now? Right. <laughs> because this is all in his head. Oh. If she says there are good witches and bad witches, and traditionally speaking, bad witches are dressed in black with the big hat. Like, if you're practicing the dark arts and Satan is your savior, would that not be good to you? She would Ooh. never be like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I'm a bad witch. Like, no one's ever like, I'm a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> like, she'd be like, oh, yeah, there are good witches and they're bad witches. Those bad witches, like, try to help people and shit. Not about that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a good witch. I sacrifice people to Satan as he asked me to do. <laughs> Yeah. I, I flay. I, I drink the blood of the innocent. I flay children. All the things you're supposed to do as a witch. Yeah, very good witch. <laughs> very effective. I'm good witch. at my job. If this movie is about anything, it's about moral relativity. Like this movie is about that good is something that is not. There's no. There's no such thing as good. There's only uh, punishment for deeds. It's true. <laughs> the, only, yeah. the moral grays of everything is almost a metaphor with the color scheme. But 
but it's not. <laughs> right. That's giving this but movie way, way too, too much, much credit. credit. Yeah. So his reward for falling down and busting his crown, Miss Fitch, the witch, rewards him with a magical ring. An audacious ring. It's sort of like your first time at the kiln in a ceramics class. <laughs> it is the face of Santa Claus in Wait, a ring what? form. Did you not see Santa on it? Yeah, no. Santa yeah, Santa, Santa's oh, face yeah. is on it. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah. this big yeah. My Pretty Princess ring, but in the right. center <laughs> right. is a ceramic Santa Claus. Josh, you're forgiven for not knowing what Santa looks like. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Anyone you other than, have uh, Santa than Hanukkah Harry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was, yeah, if it was Hanukkah Harry, I would have immediately recognized it. They just slapped a shrinky dink on Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Totally. They got a mood ring, put a shrinky dink on it, and they were like, this is our budget. So she explains, like, but this ring isn't going to give you, like, three wishes. She then no. explains the most convoluted way for him to receive these three three wishes ever, which is... Within that ring is a secret compartment, and within that compartment is a magic seed. If you plant this seed beneath the wishbone of a Thanksgiving turkey in the dark of the moon, a magic tree will grow. And when the tree is full grown, it will grant you three wishes. Uh, then... When the tree is fully grown, then you can then turn the ring again three times, say the magic words, per right. wish, per wish. Per wish. <laughs> also, per, also per subsection of the wish, too. Yes, if the exactly. wish involves more than one act of magic, Keep, you have to turn the ring more times. three times, say the magic and words. And there you go. You got three wishes, man. Which <laughs> it's easy. It's, it's simple. But I don't understand <laughs> this. <laughs> like It's like fucking Ikea furniture. <laughs> right. I did like that. I did like that it was more complicated than like that. It did feel like you were trying to connect a stereo system. Well, she well, would have she would have given him a better, uh, an easier thing to follow if he had actually done. Yeah, more. <laughs> right. he didn't give him like a. He didn't really help that much. That's so, why like, you saying right. this is a fever dream is so apt, Casey. Because like it's very much like in a good dream you cut from A to B. You're like, cool, I get this, and now I can do this. Suddenly, it's very easy. Right. In a fever dream, everything is effort. You're like, all right, I need to. <laughs> Get out of this bed. Yeah. She is making you put in the work. There's yeah. a textbook of rules that he must follow that she only lists once that he must then remember for months. Months. Right. I'm going to reiterate. Very Catholic. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is all about rituals. Say 10 Hail yeah. Marys and you won't go to hell. It's right. not about quality. It's about quantity. <laughs> And the, and the more effort, the more physical effort, time effort you put in, the more you love God. Yeah. And then with a lovely paper calendar transition <laughs> shot. <laughs> the, the only way. Right. The only way. <laughs> and, which is extra funny knowing what happens in the uh, this movie. Spoiler alert to anybody who has never watched a piece of media before in their life. <laughs> is this whole thing, what happens is in the head of Mark. He has he is dreaming, or more realistically, he has internal he's br- hemorrhaging in his brain. So that means Mark is dreaming transitions. <laughs> Not only is Mark dreaming transitions, but in the subsequent scenes, he also is dreaming other people's existences yeah. and experiences. Yes. And they're miserable. He's dreaming their miserable existence. I think a, uh, a case could be made that we spend too much time with them. <laughs> 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 Maybe too much time in those scenes. I would second that case. 
case. We calendar transition, and it's Thanksgiving Day. Mark, his mother and father, father played by director of the movie Richard C. Parrish, and a sister who is, out <laughs> after this scene, gone from the movie. <laughs> she uh, walks outside with them. She goes to their Christmas activities. The dad's carving the Thanksgiving bird, and Mark says, I, give me, I want the wishbone. Give me the wishbone. <laughs> and the dad says, Well, you'll take what I give you. <laughs> Which is, I mean, maybe the truest Thanksgiving scene I've ever seen. <laughs> that is, that's sort of that was That actually wasn't even scripted. He didn't realize they were rolling. <laughs> yeah, the dad does, He besides also being a husky boy, he has like the flat top of like, this guy's seen military service. Yes. Uh, he looks like Jack Black in Mars Attacks. Yes! Like, like, <laughs> and the mom says, oh dear, give him the wishbone. And Mark takes the wishbone, he takes it up to his room, which is adorned with uh, pennants from every sports ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just, just yep. sports ball. He likes every sports ball team. <laughs> the Dodgers, the Yankees. Yeah, sure. Dodgers, Yankees, Hiawatha. Like every young boy's room, it's pretty typical. He's got like sports pennants on the walls. He's got a turtle in his cat in his nightstand. <laughs> a huge one. A not, huge. A, not just a turtle. A fucking sea turtle. Huge. This thing is Giant. The tortoise. Tortoise. It's a tortoise. He has his wishbone in the ring and he takes out his drawer tortoise and he like I, I you know i honestly thought that it was gonna do some character development by showing and not telling and be like oh he's got a pet tortoise that he hides from his parents but no everybody knows about no Ichabod. no he's part of the family ichabod's yeah, part of the family including ichabod yeah. is beloved <laughs> it's very easy to get part of this family as is evidence later when the dad's like well tree i guess you're part of the family now <laughs> yeah. just welcoming everybody into the family well milkman you're part of the family whoa whoa now. whoa whoa <laughs> mark walks outside with the seed and the and he to do the incantation and that was when i i feel like for the first time, I really keyed in on the music for this movie. Which oh, it is bonkers. But it's also, like, really good. Well, it's definitely licensed. I've heard this music a thousand times before. That's called a library track. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it is, like, industrial films and, like, stuff from this era. It's, like, the music is great and, like, uh, composed and orchestrally scored. Credits for this movie credits a, a man named Victor Kirk. He was, like, a, a, a music composer who, like, worked in adding to these huge libraries of music to be used in non-television, non-theatrical uh, non work. He worked a lot with, seemingly, with this man named Frank Skinner, who is a guy who, like, was a, a prolific composer of the time for real-ass movies, was, like, nominated for Best Original Score five or six times in wow. the 60s. He worked a lot with this guy, but by a lot means I found evidence of like eight or so songs that they worked on together. And these sort of people who made music at this time did hundreds, <laughs> like just hundreds of things that went into libraries to be used for like your uh, Hewlett Packard washing machine and you. Like. And the choice of music is really interesting because it's always something that feels like it should be scoring city of industry on the go right like right very i mean this was shot near the city of industry so <laughs> yeah but also uh la reference the, that's an la reference but also but also not at all christmas music either not, not at all <laughs> holiday music i've got to wonder did anyone ever come up with a music library cataloging system and if they did is it called the dewey decibel system oh wow 
Oh man! Wow! You know wow, what? Wow! 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 wow Josh, wow. put it on the board. That's yeah. the point. That's the point, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Great. He plants his seed, and he oh, plants God. it. Oh. oh, you can't say that about a, a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Just okay. like you can't say a boy slave. What what boy shall I take for my boy slave? <laughs> <laughs> You can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. C- that- Casey's got to rewrite his fucking manifesto All right. now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can't say he plants a seed. All right. He puts his bone in the ground. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's technically accurate. And he says the magic words. Renbom, carinum, po. <laughs> and then he walks inside. Well, there's a there's clap a- of thunder. There's a clap. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and he, a flash of light. There's a clap of thunder that he's apparently scared by, and a tree appears. I, at this point, most identified with his dad. Because <laughs> this little bastard wakes up in the middle of the night, digs up his beautiful fucking lawn, plants the seed, and then just fucking puts a tree in the middle of the lawn. No, no, no. <laughs> this is dad's house. Yeah. And dad seems to care very much about this lawn. That is not well kept. Dad can't really care about this lawn. His lawn is, he, you know, he's in San Verde. His lawn is eight by eight at best. Yep. <laughs> and he is like, can he? it takes him so long to see this tree that has started growing. Well, the no, that's the thing. He's so detached from, like, his family, his home, his reality, that he legitimately gets gaslit into believing <laughs> that tree has always been there in yeah. the middle of his lawn. This is why the patriarchy is important. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to the morning, uh, and these Mark's miserable, miserable 1960s parents are eating breakfast. And his dad is uh, shocked that there's nothing in the paper about the singular clap of lightning (laughs) from the night before. There is nothing in the news in 1964 more newsworthy (laughs) than the weather that happened last night. Right. Uh, Well, again, this is like when my mom texts me the next morning being like, I saw on the uh, seismology sites that I follow that there was an earthquake in Pasadena at 1.30 in the morning. Did you feel that? (laughs) There was was a lightning. Why would that not be front page news, guys? Our president (laughs) is dead and... I hope and I so. I want to know about the lightning. <laughs> Poor Henry is just born many decades too early. If he had been around now, the news would have been much more tailored to his anger <laughs> and experience. <laughs> Mark knows that he has to wait for the tree to be full grown. So, so he he's not le- in the movie anymore. <laughs> so he- do not say Mark. We have left Mark. Mark is gone. This is Henry's movie. And right. So he leaves yeah, pulling yeah. three donuts off a platter to take with him to the park because his parents don't give a single shit about him at all. Um, and so His father, the director, know, does not give a shit. This is his movie now. It is this weird moment where uh, director Star decides to like tell this like story in the middle of this children's like Christmas magic movie he's he's making about just like suburban marital disillusion and disappointment. <laughs> it reeks of a moment where a documentary crew is filming something really interesting and some fucking schmo on the boardwalk is like, why don't you just follow me around for a day? I'm more interesting <laughs> than this guy. Yeah. Cut to what that movie looks like. <laughs> It was like we were going down this uh, trail of, you know, holiday cheer and mystical magic, otherworldly, like, 
wish granting, but the movie just had some chores to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie can come back out and play with you guys, but it's got to mow the lawn first. Henry oh the father God. goes outside to start the lawnmower, and it makes a sound that no lawnmower has ever made in the history of yard work. Yeah. <laughs> subjected to this sonic torture for i don't know hours how long was it i zoned out at a certain point you can't just cut out the comedy gold (laughs) that is trying to start the lawnmower nine times and yeah so comedy runs in nines baby because he finally gets that lawnmower started and then it it takes him for a ride (laughs) is he pushing the lawnmower or is the lawnmower pushing him am i right (laughs) (laughs) it's nuts to think about the fact that we spend so much time with this lawn scene and the movie is still only 59 minutes long. Yeah. I know. We are 23 minutes into the movie and there is no sign of Christmas. <laughs> like it There's takes him there. so long to get this lawnmower started while the mom is like having a chat with her friend Betty over the phone. And there's a moment that I like I was obsessed with because yes. she answers yes. the phone. Yes, yes. Yeah, she answers the phone and she says, oh, hi, Betty. One second. She puts the phone down, <laughs> moves her mug closer to her. And then goes, all right, what, uh, hi, what's going on? Which it. to me just meant, oh, there's alcohol in there. Yeah. Like, she's an alcoholic. No, this I'm is- obsessed with this woman because, like, if acting is reacting, she is not an actor. Like, she is literally no. going through the motions of what needs to be read on the screen. Like, she is stepping on everyone's lines. Like, yeah. she just knows what lines she has to say. She doesn't quite know when to say it. And she's like, oh, right. it says, wait a minute, Betty. I guess I'll move this. There we go. That required my attention. I'm right. doing good, and the and the guys off screen being like nailing it, nailing yeah, it. Doing great. <laughs> this is why Richard C. Parrish is a true genius because he understood that there are going to be adults watching this movie with their children, mm-hmm. and we gotta get them involved. <laughs> right, somehow. and they hate their spouses, so let's just get them laughing. And we keep cutting between him barely, like, handling this crazy lawnmower and Ichabod the tortoise who's, like, eating some clovers in a corner. And then there's a moment where he, like, really loses control of the lawnmower and we cut to Ichabod and then we cut back to him, like, losing it. And we hear a crash from inside the kitchen. The wife hears a crash. And my heart sank thinking he had just, like, killed, killed the, t- the tortoise. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. My, I, the I entire... was like, Ichabod, no! no! The rest of a different movie flashed in front of my eyes in that moment yeah. where he uses his wish to bring back Ichabod. Yeah, like a Christmas-themed pet cemetery. That yeah. would have been sick. Even better would just be the idea of like the dad is suddenly like, oh no, I killed Ichabod. Cut to turtle soup tonight, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets a different but turtle I- from a di- from a from a pet shop next door. Oh, Daddy, I don't want to I don't want to eat my pet. Eat your You'll pet. Take what I give you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he just puts the shell atop the Christmas tree. <laughs> but no, uh, it's just that he he rammed into the magic Christmas tree, which is nigh invulnerable. It cannot be cut down. This is the first time Henry is seeing it. Henry, the dad, is seeing it, and the wife comes out and is like, wait, did you plant a tree and forget where you put it? You fucking uh, asshole. Yeah, you haven't given me an orgasm in years. Anyway, I'm going to go back to Betty. 
No wonder she's so stoked on this tree. She's like, damn, that's a real fucking man right there. That's a real piece of wood I haven't seen in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you soft bitch. Right. No, no boner chokes, Jeremy? Oh, uh, that's uh. a penis. <laughs> wow, that's a penis. Tune in next week to Wow, That's a Penis. Wow. <laughs> I would actually love, that should be an extra credit episode, too. It's all the, like, dicks hidden in, like, the teen, like a teen wolf and shit. <laughs> wow, that's a penis. So 30 minutes so, now. 30 minutes. Right. Halfway through the movie. Merry Christmas Eve, everyone. That's when we get a shot of establishing shot. Down Main Street, decorated resplendently with tinsel made of fine American lead. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so can we talk about mom's drug addiction for a minute? Yes. Yes. Mom seemingly spends her days yapping to Betty, which is fine. Good on her. Do her thing. Mom is convinced that there has been a tree where there clearly fucking wasn't. (laughs) And again, small backyard. You should have realized that that's not the case. But okay, like let's we can give it to her. But then mom on Christmas Eve has seemingly no idea that there is not an erected Christmas tree in their small ranch house and is (laughs) confused about the lack of a Christmas tree that that her husband was told to have bought but didn't. She's like, what? You're going out now to get it? I I told you a week ago. Where have you been, lady? (laughs) Where do you go? In the dad's defense, having grown up poor, Christmas Eve is the best time statistically to get a Christmas tree because you run the risk of, hey, free trees, maybe. And that was the argument that he's like, listen, you know, this is the best time for a discount. It's been a tough year. Like, yeah. I get that. She's just confused that it's not, <laughs> not there. there already. Where would it be hiding? <laughs> so dad goes out to get a tree on Christmas Eve, and mom and sister are going to the mall to buy some gifts. Yeah, you, you know what? T- you know, fucking big talk from the lady who's waiting until Christmas Eve to buy gifts. Gifts, I know. <laughs> I love that they go, and Mark is like, I'm going to stay at home so I can get some fucking peace and quiet around here. Right. And Mark stays behind, and he goes back out back to talk to the tree because he's not sure like when. Like, oh no, how- no, he didn't go out to talk to the tree. He go out oh, goes right. out to look at the tree. He goes and then out- suddenly the fucking tree starts yeah, goddamn talking. Because right. if you had any concern about would Mark know when a tree was fully grown or not, you don't have to worry about it because the tree lets you know. Gee, how do I know if it's full grown? Oh, I'm full grown, all right. Who said that? Why, I did. You asked a question of me, didn't you? The tree voiced by an angry Paul Lind. <laughs> I was just going to say that, Josh. It is like, he is like a bassier Paul Lind. He's, he's a, this is a really sassy tree. You were kind of scrawny. Well, I've been through a lot lately, and, uh, well, enough of this. Now, let's get down to business. How will I know it's full grown? <laughs> I'm full grown, honey. I am alive and thriving. <laughs> This is the culmination of three months of work in order to get these wishes. He'll accept yeah. talking Christmas tree if he can finally get some power. Totally. The tree gets him to say the magic words. Brimbum, carrying and so the tree exits stage left even. <laughs> uh, and Which would be such a great prank because the, the tree just disappears. And it's like, wait, all the... <laughs> For a second, I thought it was like a trick. You've you've brought me into this world. I'm 
yours to answer three wishes. All you got to say is these magic words. And then he says it and unknowingly frees the magic Sucker! spirit from its bonds. Yeah. It is true that Mark is a punk ass bitch in that he <laughs> listens to a fucking talking tree. If you go into a dark bathroom and the mirror is like, yeah, I'm going to help you. All you have to say is Bloody Mary no. three times. Well, okay, yeah. magic smash, mirror. Smash that mirror. Mark is a true psychopath because the, the tree... Yes. Ma- magically reappears in his living room and he's like well if i'm gonna be a magic christmas tree i need to look the part and then poof, wearing tinsel wearing audacious ornaments it looks right. like a charlie brown nightmare in his living it, room it looked too flammable well, yes. what's going on with christmas trees back then boy i sure would like to be powerful like you just for an hour is that your wish? He's had three months to think of, like, what <laughs> wishes he's wishes. had. Yeah. And he jumps straight to, like, mm, give me all omnipotent genie-like power. Like, not forever. Right. Like, maybe just an hour. But I want it. I want what you have. <laughs> give it to me. He, he goes, he jumps right to, like, wishing for infinite wishes. The tree must have been like, yeah. Like, this kid could have been like, I want God power forever. Yeah, but he, he like, could have. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't. The tree is like, yeah, okay, you want an hour of power? You want an hour? And they keep saying an hour of power, and it just sounded like a like K Rock like promotion. Hour of power, hour of power, hour of power. Here's ACDC starting up an hour of power here on WTRE. The tree. <laughs> what he does next? <laughs> He's baffling. It is, so he, yeah. What does he do, Casey, with his now given godlike ability? Well, the first thing he does is. <laughs> adjust his mom's terrible sense of interior <laughs> Yes. He changes a vase with a flower into it into a different, more modern vase with a flower. Yeah. I love the idea of a 12-year-old that's just like, I've always hated that fucking stupid-ass <laughs> vase. Yeah. Finally, then, I have the power to fix mom's awful taste. Right. Then he says, I wish I could go out and play or i wish i could go out and use my powers but it's dark out and the tree's like why not make it light out you can control the celestial body <laughs> you have powers over the heavens you know for one <laughs> hour so he, he points his finger and it's daylight again which no one notices or is like thrown into chaos for right when it first happens i was like did he just move time forward is it now christmas day is unclear is is he stepping out into a world that is it not like for everyone else time hasn't been moved forward he's just stepping it like suddenly the sun's back up and everyone's doing what they were doing anyway on christmas eve but the first person he runs into is a man with a truck who seems to be picking up crates of potato yes. chips <laughs> from outside of someone's house. As you do in the middle of the night before it's suddenly daylight again. Yeah. And right. you're just like, all right, well, I guess On this Christmas makes my Eve. job easier. In On suburban California. The people he runs into, the people we interact with are this man who's doing a potato chip delivery, <laughs> people who make pies, pies, a cop, and firefighters. These are like the people who we see in this thing. It's obvious no one's doing nighttime activities. It's not like he just brought the sun up, nor is it like the next day where it's Christmas Day. Yeah. Did I he go back he, in time? 
No, I think he created yes. a universe. I think it's with a his powers. Dimension. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a little pocket dimension where, out of the mind of a child, so the jobs are firefighter, pie makers, and potato chip delivery. <laughs> like uh, also like a husky kid, a husky little, kid's uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like he brought his Fisher Price uh, mm. playset into being. It is zany as hell with with but so slow, yeah. but so. Yeah. Slow. I love the fucking like <laughs> plate spinning music that's going yeah. through this whole scene. <laughs> the music is so over the top and the camera work is baffling. Like it, everything's out of focus. The camera is now suddenly handheld. Yeah, but they're trying shit. You know, movies like this, it's like usually like wide shots on sticks and that's kind of what you get but it's at least like when he points his finger there's like a tracking in handheld shot to his like magic point the first thing he does is make this potato chip delivery man's life a living hell he makes the truck run away on its like own accord uh so then the guy has to chase after it down the uh, down the empty streets of this suburban town. He makes two people have a pie fight. The police then chase the chip truck. But does the police chase the chip truck or does he send an empty police car chasing the chip truck? Oh. No, even better, guys. Even better, even better. He sends the chip truck going down the street and the the delivery man or whatever chases after his chip truck. Then he sends a police car after the chip truck and man and the police officer is chasing behind his police car. Because I I am a if nothing but a slut for semiotics. Sluts for semiotics. Ah. That's that's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes! One Is that could our read first a shirt? Like, one could read a little fun little cultural critique in this where it's like the chip delivery guy is a black man mm-hmm. and he is chasing after his truck his like livelihood his like simple working class job and he's chasing after it then the police officer's car is chasing after him and the police officer is chasing after the police car it's like the people involved are like just keeping up with the machinations of these societal mechanisms a slightly different reading would be like black man is chasing the American dream of jobs equating equality, then the police, the forces of the system, are chasing the black man trying to attain his dreams. Yeah. And maybe our kindly white police officer, maybe he doesn't quite believe in that system, but is still a part, a part of it. Of it. Yep. <laughs> or it doesn't matter, yeah. He's he's ch- he's on the same sort of like hamster wheel out of his control. He is beholden to the whims of some greater power in the same way everyone is. In this case, a snobby 12-year-old. All of this uh, deep, meaningful cultural critique is undercut by a pie fight. <laughs> 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 Is undercut by he points at a at a pie maker and a woman who to the woman hits the oh, pie maker oh, a woman pie maker yeah yeah two two pie makers well <laughs> only one of them is wearing the pastry chef's hat so I I wasn't I wasn't assuming the woman wasn't a pie maker I was going by hats <laughs> this wasn't based on gender this was hat this was hat related yeah. thus ends this uh, this segment of sluts for semiotics. <laughs> What does it mean?
and we've also gone this far into describing this insane fantasy without bringing up the Twilight Zone episode It's a Good Life that came out three years before this movie was made. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> it totally. Before? It came out before. So, like, when you have this demonic child <laughs> bending right. the, the earth to his will. Son of Satan. Yeah, son of Satan. Uh, bending the, the world to his will in only ways that wreak havoc and pain on people like it, it you know it, it draws that that imagery personally for me this kid does nothing good for anybody until the end and it's not even something he wants to do at the end <laughs> no. he's guilted into it as a good catholic yeah, he's as a, guilted yeah. into doing the the not even the right thing no. the regular thing that would have happened. Yes. Right. <laughs> just just Returning just things to the status quo. Yeah. Just not sending Santa Claus to the cornfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. This sequence ends in the best way possible where Mark points directly to the camera with another like magic point as if to say, "You're next audience." <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of direct address in this movie. <laughs> and we are changed. Yeah. We are changed. Yeah. It goes back to uh, the living room as if none of this has happened. Right, because his family returns and no one is bringing up, huh, weird that it was pure broad daylight for an hour <laughs> while we were shopping for trees, but okay. Well, first, the dad like thinks that someone has stolen the tree he hates. Yeah. <laughs> and he's <laughs> fucking pissed. Our Christmas tree's been stolen. He, as the patriarch, could not deliver on the one thing that was promised to his kids on Christmas, a Christmas tree. So he's like, all right, I just got to cut down that tree in the backyard. What? <laughs> Someone dare take my tree I hate? Right. Some other father he's... couldn't deliver? <laughs> right. He has been undone by so many phallic symbols. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, the wife is like, did you forget you got rid of this tree? Did you misplace the tree? <laughs> She again gaslights him awesome. into like, Well, it must be around somewhere. It couldn't just walk off. Well, it isn't here now. Well, what did you do with it, dear? But no, he uh, goes inside and finds Mark with the decorated tinsel-covered tree. And Mom thinks that he and Mark <laughs> did this whole thing together. I don't know, in like oh, five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Also, the, 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 the dad like took immediate credit. Yeah. yeah. The dad wasn't Doesn't like, correct her. Just takes full credit. Doesn't say thank you, Mark. And He's Mark doesn't like, yep. do anything either. Mark doesn't correct either of them. Because dad gives him a look like, I'm going to, I will fucking hide you. I, you <laughs> no are one done if you, you say something to mom. That he puts one of those big, meaty, like, was on the beaches at Normandy hands <laughs> on his shoulder. <laughs> It's like, we are, this is our we, little secret boy. <laughs> well, I also could have read it as like, I thought Mark would have been like, wow, I really got dad over a barrel now. <laughs> I will use this to, to, to ascend power in the family. I will be the patriarch. He's going to take what I give him from now on. Everyone goes to bed. Uh, and Mar it comes time for Mark's second wish. And Mark's second wish is even worse. Is it's even baller. worse. It's so good. It is the single most selfish wish. It's one of the greatest acts of villainy in cinematic history. Yeah. It does beg the question of like, there's so much Halloween imagery and witches and stuff like that. The fact that he summons Santa, which of course is very close to Satan, <laughs> right. for nefarious deeds and use of his powers exclusively. Like, is the reason that he is not down with Miss Fitch, the old witch, 
the fact that maybe she's not evil enough mm. and he's right. just like, I, no, 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 bitch. It's me. What? I'm coming. Power, I'm coming bitch? after you. You yeah. want to see yeah. real power? I'll yeah. show you. <laughs> Goodness stops real power. Real power comes from the ability to sacrifice everything <laughs> for yourself. The magic tree is like, you better go to bed, sweetie. Santa's coming. <laughs> I doubt both of you big boys can fit in the room together. Uh, because the tree is nothing if not a sassy, a sassy birch. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh wow, 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 wow. Put, uh, put it on the leaderboard. Uh, he, he, uh, <laughs> Mark's wish is... I want Santa Claus for my very own this Christmas. No one else. <laughs> no one else gets Santa Claus. Santa, I want him trapped in this room with me until I say... Which, at first, I, I just thought... Like, what a fucking baller way to, like, get around the old, you can't wish for more wishes, Canard. Yeah. It's like, if you can't wish for more witches, wishes, why not wish for another genie? <laughs> Just, like, keep wishing for another yeah, genie. Yeah, yeah. And Santa has no rules, like, attached to him. He will right. and does give Mark everything well, he asks for. He tr- right. he, uh, contractually he shouldn't be able to give things to mark because mark is being a naughty boy so he should Ooh. be able to not give him gifts but as he says to the tree later i can't like i have to give him whatever i want and the tree's like yep that's me <laughs> yeah, because mark does this mark now has access to like all the powers of santa claus yes. like he can just have whatever he'd like because santa claus is a being who can manifest anything experience right. reality <laughs> you can just do and Santa anything is rightfully horrified at his <laughs> enslavement yeah. by this child what's this all about the last thing i remember i was climbing into my sleigh let's let's recap mark's wishes one yeah. fuck with the downtrodden and public servants yeah. two a hostage situation <laughs> yeah no, it goes an hour of godhood and then a lifetime of godhood. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Enslave a god. This kid basically was just like, I want the childhood library of Alexandria. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so Santa has to give him everything, but we don't see much of that. Like no. the movie doesn't have the budget for the show, <laughs> the budget I, to like show a lot I of things. I do love that Mark just starts listing things off and we just fade to black. Like this goes on through the night, kids. You're not going to want to see this and when we fade back up it's just tree and santa these two <laughs> these two like omnipotent immortal beings. omnipotent beings who have been like totally cowed to this young boy <laughs> and santa's sitting in begging. a room together be- and santa's yeah. begging the tree for freedom and the tree's just like i can't do anything it's all the kid and mark yeah. is so, doing what now? well okay so mark i'm assuming got a bb gun slash rifle from santa for christmas and so he is out in the woods trying to make use of it and this is when like him being a potential psychopathic serial killer is really like highlighted because he is legitimately depressed he can't find an animal to shoot he's like oh man no squirrels no rabbits how this movie was going i thought he was hunting the easter bunny like that's where i thought it was gonna go It's now the middle of the day. Yeah. Well, they can't yeah. afford to shoot at night outside. They don't have the lights for that. They call <laughs> daylight only. And we get so much of him walking through like a a boulder surrounded boulder surrounded stream and woods with a rifle silently yep. for like a good chunk of time. It's like we had cut to this like Danish film 
about like <laughs> the ennui of the godhood of mankind. Yep. It's like now that he is a man of like uh, of of immeasurable power, he's lost. Wild really? strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Werner Herzog to start narrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he also has so much trouble like loading the gun that I was like, how funny would it be if he just accidentally like blew his head off in this scene? Oh. And like, <laughs> oh, and, and fuck it, that means that the Christmas tree and Santa are stuck there forever. forever. Exactly. They're, what? They're, well, they're now is he ever coming back? And then Santa's just yeah. like, I told him. He'd shoot his eye out. (laughs) (laughs) He stops by a stream to take a drink, and he's bemoaning the fact that even though he's had total dominion over the powers of the universe, he hasn't been able to murder anything to taste the blood of a living creature yet. Uh, Why haven't I been able to take life yet? Third wish. And then he's, like, gearing up his third wish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His, third, his third wish would be just, like, to play the most dangerous I wish for an island full s- of people that I can hunt all my yeah. own. Tommy, Dave, you ran from me before. <laughs> Run from me again. <laughs> so, yeah, but while he's taking a sip, from the stream and he's sipping rather delicately. The movie goes somewhere none of us were expecting, I think we can honestly say. I... This, if I, if we had to take bets on what <laughs> happened next, this definitely would have been the like, this would have been the long shot. This would have been the tough money. Who had a large man in a loincloth approaches yeah. him fucking, on yeah. their bingo fucking, card? Yeah. Fucking Hercules shows up. Goliath, essentially. Yeah. I thought it was going to be Goliath. Like when he was talking, Ooh. I thought like the Bible was straight up coming to life and it was like, oh. that's right. Mark, it's me, Goliath. <laughs> that would have been good, but instead it was just, uh, it wasn't Goliath, it wasn't anything biblical. You know how, like, corporate Christmas, the marketization of Christmas, it was that, that character we're all, that's pushed in our faces every Christmas, the greed giant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess California hasn't changed that much. There's just, you know, ex-professional wrestlers. Yes. <laughs> right. Greed is coming for you, Mark. <laughs> a literal, a giant steps in and says like you're mine now mark your greed has like taken santa claus and christmas away from the world you're my boy it's uh, terrifying it's beyond oh my horrifying. god and to teach mark a lesson he's like Let's gaze into the B-roll water. Yes, yes. And he shows him the chaos that he has wrought. The entire world is now searching for Santa Claus, including and not limited to the NYPD, the NYFD, the federal government, and the international police. Yep. Yeah, jets are being scrambled. Mark is public enemy number one. Satellites (laughs) are being retasked. United, the United Nations has like convened an emergency session to talk about how they can find Santa Claus. Right. It is martial law because Santa <laughs> is missing. <laughs> Everyone is looking for Santa. And the S&P 500 today. <laughs> Where is Santa Claus? Has he been kidnapped? Has he had an accident? Turning to the stock market reports, the Dow Jones averages. We were really sad I, that the broadcast yeah. cut out. I wanted to know, was it better or worse? Like, yeah, honestly. How's, how's, Dow. Yeah, how, markets how are Dow. Dow doing? 
Present futures are down. <laughs> it, it, it is so funny. It is so funny that the greed giant, this like fucking mythical creature, the mythology of this movie is purely exists in the mind of Richard C. Parrish. Like, yeah. there's no, this is from Did no nowhere. other kids grow up with the greed giant threatening them at every turn? I don't the understand. Why is he Jewish? Because I have one accent, Jamie. I have one accent. I'm so confused. Oh, and it, the, and it's oh, the, oh the greed giant is Jewish, huh, Josh? <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm canceled. <laughs> what did you get, what did you get for Christmas? I got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> it is so fucking funny that the greed giant like grabs Mark, the greed giant. <laughs> Grabs Mark and is like, "You are. I will punish you for your selfishness, your wickedness. Look, look into the waters, and you, thinking it would be like a look upon your face, like no. feel the shame of everything you've done. But no, it just like tunes into the news, news. <laughs> yeah. the, the river news. <laughs> well, it also yeah. is like such like we're skirting a fine line as this man dressed in leathers is just like holding on to Mark and being like, "You're in mine now, little boy, little boy. I'll show you." Uh, for once, this movie spares us, yep. and Mark right. is let go by the Greed Giant, but not before the Greed Giant gives the audience a warning. Well, I lost him, but I'll find another greedy child to be my slave. Maybe you. And he points right at the camera. Right he down that barrel right at of the you, lens. The viewer. And this is when the fact that this movie wasn't in 3D yes. really, really was a loss. Seriously. It was truly a chilling moment. So Mark runs home distraught, not because he actually, I think, feels bad, but mostly because he doesn't want to get turned into a child slave, uh, as right. previously established. Very Catholic. I mean, and what better motivation is there than that? Yep. To undo right. his slavement. Yep. So of exactly. Santa. Greg's right. Greg's right. It is like a very. It is. It is a Catholic message. It's not about morality for the sake of morality. It's about morality. You got to be moral, uh, or else eternal damnation waits for you. There's that, yep. which is not moral. That's not <laughs> like the promise of reward is not the reason you should be a good person. No. And like the greedy little son of a bitch he is, he tries to cram three wishes into his last. Yeah. Wish. He does. He totally does. He fits. He, he, he learned nothing. The tree allows it. The tree allows it because he wishes that it was the night before that he never made the wish and that Santa forgives him. Technically, the third wish is not needed because Santa's like, of course I forgive you. I'm Santa, you dumb little bastard. <laughs> we don't know that. Maybe because we, you got to think the wish takes... The wish happens when Ooh. he like turns turns the ring and says the words, but that is what Santa would say if the magic <gasps> tree made him forgive him. Oh. <laughs> that is exactly. Oh, how were we to know if it was Santa's own will? Not only does he pull some wuss shit and just goes back on his entire experience, but then right. also ruins Christmas by by letting the tree <laughs> fuck off. Yes! The tree returns yeah. back to the world of magic, leaving his family on Christmas now treeless. His dad yeah. is gonna be pissed. Pissed. He's gonna blow and up his mom. His mom's gonna come downstairs and be like, Henry. Henry, did you throw out the tree and forget that you threw out the tree? <laughs> now we don't yeah. have a tree on Christmas, Henry. Tragedy struck on Christmas morning today as a <laughs> murder-suicide of a... <laughs> like, all of this is 
within the mind of Mark, who comes to back in uh, bleak black and white suburban reality on the porch of Miss Fitch, who has been doting over the child who just like cracked his skull on her property. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I can't go back to jail. I can't. She's been measuring the rugs in her home to see what she can like roll the body up into. She's like, she's, she's licking on maps to see where the nearest river is. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all a dream, a crazy dream. And you were there, and you were there, and you were there. And you were there, Miss Fitch. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Fitch rewards him this time with cookies, no magic rings. And milk. Yeah. Oh, and milk. Cookies and milk. Because we had White. to because we had to tie it back into Christmas, yep. even though it's Halloween. Yeah, even though he's right. back now, those those two months of his life gone yep. that he must right. relive. Those days of school he must redo. <laughs> that that turkey that looked super dry and actually just looked like a ham and had like pineapple and cherries like stabbed into it. It was really baffling. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I'm left to think, like, will Mark miss Godhood? <laughs> yes. I think he will. Almost certainly. Which yeah. we'll never know because we whip pan to another tree. Now it's in color and the tree is just like. And always remember, there's a little bit of magic in every Christmas tree. Oh my God, that whip <laughs> what pan. What the hell? Don't forget, he's still hallucinating. <laughs> he has permanent brain damage. Like, again, what does color mean in this movie? Like, what does it mean? It. Uh, yeah, is magic, I guess magic's real? I guess. In the hearts of every child and adult who welcomes Christ into their heart. <laughs> Josh. <clears throat> Something for the holiday season. We just watched a film about a magic tree that seems like the director wrote when he took DMT. It's rip, rip off, rip, rip off, rip off, report card. Rip, rip off, rip, rip off, rip off, report card. Hey! So it seems like we're at another impasse. With the exception of one producer, who we will discuss in a few moments, the Magic Christmas Tree somehow features a cast and crew of people who I can't seem to track down at all. (laughs) (laughs) The trivia on this movie includes such choice nuggets as it was filmed in Laverne, California on a low budget, (laughs) and the Terry Bradshaw featured is not the NFL player. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I'm sure you didn't realize is how linked all the holidays are. You know how when you help a witch on Halloween and then you take a piece of slaughtered turkey from Thanksgiving, it yields magic on Christmas. Yep. Well, I'm here to tell you some other shit you don't know about Christmas. <laughs> Seemingly, everyone knows about the Central European half-goat Christmas killer Krampus, but the winter solstice has borne other weirdos for celebration. In Scandinavia, there are folk tales of mythical creatures called Nisev, or in Sweden, Tomte, which look kind of like your stereotypical gnomes. They're tiny with long white beards and conical hats. The term derives from an old Norse word meaning little relative. 
Tomte was a sprite that would help farmers typically survive the long winter by helping with household chores and farm work. But with their temperamental nature, they were easily offended. So if you'd piss off a Nisei or a Tomte, they'd play tricks, steal your sausage, or kill your livestock. <laughs> Things that seem harmless today, which could actually mean death to a homesteader in the Scandinavian wilderness. As most traditions, it has softened over the years, now being associated closely with Christmas and being depicted more like your average garden gnomes. They arrive on Christmas Eve with a Yulbaken, or a Yule goat, to deliver presents. It's customary to leave out a bowl of porridge with butter in gratitude for services rendered. Nice. So back to the magic Christmas tree. <laughs> One producer seemed to have caught the bug and actually continued in the film industry. Jeffrey C. Hogue started with this mini epic and thankfully continued to make schlock throughout his surprisingly long career, having a hand in such classics as Monster Agogo, Asylum of Satan, huh. Dr. Gore, aka The Body Shop, and Angel of Destruction. Now, he's one of a long list of schlock filmmakers to flirt with both the G and R rating. Most notably, of course, would be the Canadian director Bob Clark, who started out making movies like the ludicrously titled Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things before going mainstream with things like Porky's. But it's his diptych of both Black Christmas and A Christmas Story that truly stands out. Oh, wow. Mr. Bikini and Boobs himself, Fred Olin Ray, as discussed in our Cyberzone episode, has a list of movies that would make Larry Flint blush, but who has also enjoyed a late stage career making films like Baking Christmas, A Wedding for Christmas, and Christmas in Palm Springs, while alternating <laughs> between films like Fiance Killer and Sexual Witchcraft. <laughs> Even our favorite action star, Ms. Cynthia Rothrock, has gotten down with the Christmas cheer in a film called Santa's Summer House for what? some reason. <laughs> so no matter who you are, no matter how blasphemous your past, Christmas accepts all, at least in Hollywood. <laughs> rip, rip off, rip, rip off, rip off, report card. The Gree Giant lost his slave and Santa got away! <laughs> Rip off report card. Before we go away for a Christmas vacation, please, students of Video High, tell me, what are we walking away from the magic Christmas tree with? I think this movie taught me that if you're gonna go on a campaign of megalomaniacal terror against the godlike powers of the universe and Santa Claus and all matter of mythological beings, don't lose your nerve. <laughs> Keep Santa in that house. This is, this is the path you're on. I learned that there is a giant greed man out there in the woods waiting for me, and I'm terrified. To end this podcast, all we must do is turn our microphones around three times, bury them under the ribcage of a roast Sunday chicken, say the magic words, rimbom karenum po, and there a microphone stand will sprout when the mic stand is full grown. Say the magic words again, and then and only then will the recording be stopped and Video High can be freed from its first official year of podcasting. Merry Christmas, everyone! <laughs> Yay. Merry Christmas, you old podcast! <laughs>
Should all the movies be forgot? And then I might just cry. Should all the movies be forgot? And days of video high. Merry Christmas, video high. And Mark bless us, everyone. Well, that just about wraps up the Magic Christmas Tree, a truly unforgettable Christmas adventure. We'd like to thank Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for doing our amazing theme song, Justin Ferraro of The Rizzos and Lowboy for our bed music, Ann Shearer for our amazing logo, and our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe, for always keeping us in line even when we're acting up. A big happy holidays from the whole Video High crew, Casey Regan, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, and myself, Greg Hansen. For our next episode, we'll be ringing in the new year with the post-apocalyptic Michael Ironside shoot-em-up Neon City. Don't miss it. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like us, I don't know, be nice, be merry, give us a little uh, review, and have a little extra figgy pudding for me. Here's to a brand new year, 2021, the year where everything will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Up up, up, in in your your ears. ears. Podcast Network.